Hello, and welcome to the podcast Disclaimer Booking Line. This call is being charged at a pound a minute. All of our operators are busy at the moment, but please hold, and we'll be with you as soon as we can. You are currently number 9 in a queue. We're here to help you get the right level of warning preamble for any bad language alcohol consumption or factual vagaries in your podcast. It's important that you set these out clearly, so please don't skip this when editing your show. This call is being charged at £1.50 a minute. You are currently number 8 in a queue. Failure to disclose potentially problematic content can lead to arrest and prosecution and the relegation of your podcast to Meridian Free Screen in 1993. You are currently number 9 in a queue. Every year, thousands of podcasters are sent to the salt mines of South Shields for failing to warn listeners of the bad language and excessive boozing in their show. Imagine being one of those knackers. You're smarter though. That's why you're calling us. This call is being charged at £3 a minute. You are currently number 15 in a queue. Mind, don't go getting ideas about recording this and using it as the disclaimer. That's not what it's for. If anything, this is a disclaimer for your disclaimer. This call is being charged at £4 a minute. You are currently number 28 in a queue. This call is being charged at 5 Aside from the adults... The kids are from the northeast, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. The, 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 this is mind blowing. This the accents that these kids are speaking with, it beggars belief. <laughs> if we were in court now, the defence counsel would be holding up a sealed plastic bag, and inside it a bit of paper saying "Exhibit A: Biker Grove." If she hadn't right. copped that laser beam, they'd have been peeling her off a bench. Right. The referee is shouting, get off the pitch, you old bastard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Exit! Stage left! Are you all right? Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Peggy Mount Calamity Hour. I'm Dr Velvet. I'm Blackout. And we're here to remove the water from the programming pond known as the Vintage Television. Yes, hello to you and thank you for dropping in for our casual cultural critique of Vintage Television, where Britain's best-loved battle axe is never far from our minds because here... All roads are leading to the mountain. If you go over to PeggyMountPod.com, info for the episodes we're discussing is in the show notes, and you can find us on the socials, get in touch to say hello, or ask us why we haven't covered such and such yet. Before we pay the price for not already having learned the lesson that bad things happen when you go to watch sport, Dr Velvet, I've got to ask, what are you drinking? Do you know, I'm staying on the beer. Uh-huh. I really am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and like this. Yes, I'm drinking crushed grape... And it's from the Stu Francis Brewery. Lovely. Um, in the village of Crackerjack. It's a blend of berries and bitterness with a shouty, unnecessary bouquet. Yourself? It sounds very you. <laughs> I've got a bottle right. of Solar Power. Again, from the Isle of Purbeck Brewery in Stutland, Dorset. That, um, that crate of beer hasn't arrived yet. That's all I'm saying. Right. Crazy light, lads. Crazy light. Solar power. So what kind of, what, what flavourings are we getting from that? Well, the bottle calls it, and I quote, a lager-style ale, which basically means it's lager, but they're too embarrassed uh-huh. to say that as an independent craft brewery. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but you're enjoying it all the same. Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Where's his crate? Anyway, <coughs> enough of that. Let's get on to the first of tonight's offerings. It's really super to be able to cast Victorian superstition aside and look deep into the televisual box of superficial imagery to watch the superlative adventures of the super people and pub. <laughs> Super Gran was a light-hearted children's adventure drama produced by Tang Tees and airing on ITV between 1985 and 1987, over 27 episodes and two series. Based on the books of Forrest Wilson, the eponymous and unlikely superhero is brought to the screen by veteran actress Gudrun Ewer as she battles against her nemesis, the Scunner Campbell, played by Ian Cuthbertson. We've watched the very first episode from January 1985, Super Gran and the Magic Ray, adapted for the screen by Jenny McDade and directed by Anthony Simmons. When mild-mannered Granny Smith is out watching her grandson play football, being struck by a ray from a stolen superweapon has consequences which change the world forever. This is basically Captain America the First Avenger, isn't it? I mean, that's okay. I'll tell you something. It's got one of the best theme tunes that ever existed. Right. I'm glad you mentioned this. Mm-hmm. How come Iceman gets mentioned in this song? It's good, isn't it? I like that he's mixing and matching. This is Billy Connolly, by the way. You, you just it said is. That. Um, yeah. I like that he's mixing and matching Marvel and DC. But straight off the bat, he rhymes off Superman, Iceman, Spider Man. Like Bobby Drake as an A lister at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think Billy has just caught Spider Man and his amazing friends over on BBC One? I've got a feeling. B.A. Baracus gets a name check. Yep. He's, he's showing off his pop culture credentials there, but even he is too frit to actually mention Mr. T. Mr. T. I can understand why he wouldn't mention Mr. T. Mr. T. I think he's too scared to mention Mr. T. Mr. T. It's getting to the point where I'm too scared to mention Mr. T. Mr. T. <laughs> it certainly gets to the point where our listeners are fucking scared when it looks like we're going to mention Mr. T. Mr. T. Know what I mean? So here's something about it, right? I bought this single. Nice. This was released as, this was released as a record. I still have this seven-inch single. Excellent. And I and I, the full you get the full version of the song, and Lovely. we get into, into another verse where other people are also name checked. <gasps> um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get um, on your bike, Wonder Woman. Let's just say you had it coming. This one is for real. Charlie's Angels pack it in before it gets embarrassing. The lady's solid steel. The yeah, there's all all manner. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Your icon's okay. in there, so he's done a fair mix there. But uh, yeah. Fair play, Billy. Fair play. Absolutely cracking theme tune. It's flawless. Unlike the programme. <laughs> While Did... we're still on the titles, mm-hmm. I've got to say that the animation that they use for the title sequence isn't a million miles away from Nelvana's work on droids. You've just took and the th- words right out of my notebook. This is a crossover cartoon I want to see. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. It, it couldn't do any worse than what we've just witnessed. Um, did you watch this back in the day? Because I do remember watching this of a Sunday tea time. This is the thing, I did watch it. It wasn't exactly appointment viewing, but I would make a point of, you know, that's on 
I will be I will be watching that. You know, I wouldn't be doing drawings of it afterwards or like playing it when mm. I'm like outside with yeah, my yeah. imaginary friends. Um, but yeah, I, I, did, I did. I did watch it. Yeah. yeah. Did you know of it before the TV show? I didn't. Right. See, I did. We had the books in our junior school library. Right. Okay. And also, it had been. Uh, it was on Jack and Ori. Oh, okay. No, fair enough. To- so I knew of it. I watched this out of curiosity to see how they would adapt it. Mm-hmm. Made by Tyne Tees Television and filmed in the northeast of England. Wasn't it? Predominantly around Tynemouth and Whitley Bay. You can tell that because the whole thing looks like it's in black and white. Uh, you're right. <laughs> Doesn't it? That, that is literally the weather around, <laughs> around North Tyneside. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> Bless them. Aside from the adults, the kids are from the northeast, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. The, 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 this is mind blowing. This the accents that these kids are speaking with, it beggars belief. <laughs> I would just like to say, listener, right now, in case you're unaware of this, nobody, nobody in the northeast of England speaks like this. Nobody. No, David. No. Do you mind we're trying to have a game of football here, right? Why should I care about some stupid game of football when somebody up there stole my granddad's bestest ever invention? Who who was the who was the exact target demographic of this? Who do you think if, it was? If, if we were in court now, the defence counsel would be holding up a sealed plastic bag, and inside it a bit of paper saying "Exhibit A, Biker Grove." That's well, all. yeah, but you know, yeah. but not yeah. at, at this point. No, it wasn't happening. So yeah. But even the accents in Biker Grove weren't as pronounced as this. This is no, that's this correct. is this is on twenty. Never mind ten. So, Granny Smith, already the worst character name in media history. Right. Uh, she's hobbling across this football field in the middle of a match, like yes. she's about to keel over and die from rickets, hypothermia, and Ebola. And I'm getting really fucking bad vibes from this episode. Like, if she hadn't right. caught that laser beam, they'd have been peeling her off a bench. Right. The referee is shouting, get off the pitch, you old bastard. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she sits down. She's, she's supporting Willie. <laughs> Isn't she? Uh, yes. Hey! Uh, her grandson, who's playing football. So up in a sort of like a third floor flat nearby... Mm. We've got uh, Campbell, the, our our villain for the series. The villain of the piece, yes. Um, he's sitting up there with a wooden box with a camera lens on the front from the 1920s. What is this box? It's some manner of weapon, isn't it? He's stolen it, it from, a, from it's Inventor a, Black. Inventor Black. Granny Smith, Inventor Black. It's uh, like, yep. first, first, <laughs> show, me, show me your list of names that you've got there. Yeah. Uh, so he's got this Super Ray. Super the, Ray. Super and it's got the ability to turn people into super people. <laughs> it can turn a normal person into someone who could class themselves as one of the super people. Yep. Which, you know, in terms of, like, as, a, as an idea, an mm. origin story, fine. Uh, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, would, it's, it's a standard work, superhero it? stuff, isn't it? So they switch on the weapon. It doesn't work. They start belting it around the room. And then Tub, the child. Why is he? Why is he in the room with just a child? It's his nephew. Oh, it's his nephew. Is it right? Okay, I did wonder. Yeah, he he um, calls. He calls him Uncle all the way through. Yeah. Right. And and can you say his name properly, please? Tub. That's how Scunner Campbell pronounces oh, it. I've got, I need to get like too close to the mic. His name is Tub. 
That's the one. That's the one. Yeah. We've got to treat these characters with respect. Come on, Tub. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so Tub's like... That's you- so sinister. I know. Come on, Tub. Tub's like, what are you doing? You're not got the on switches there. Goes over, belts it on. It puts mm-hmm. the window out. Mm-hmm. He could have shot anyone out there with this ray. Absolutely. But he shoots Granny Smith. She has a fit. Mm-hmm. Now, now, hang on, hang on. I'll stop you there. This laser, laser beam zips out the window. I mean, God bless Time Tees. Uh-huh. But quite frankly, this this laser beam effect, I wouldn't have bothered. If I was the guy on the desk, I wouldn't have bothered with that effect. It's just awful. Punctuating my notes for this episode uh, is a recurring uh, couplet, if you like. <laughs> yes. which, just, which just says, I genuinely like that they made this with so few resources because it's fucking evident they had very few resources. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. The only saving grace from this was when the laser beam hits. And to demonstrate that fact, Granny Smith is undergoing some form of superhero metamorphosis. Gudrun Ewer, the only sister to her brother, Man, adopts a pose that could only be likened to public self-abuse with a battery-operated device. And there we have it. Supergran is born. Show notes. Click on the link. Watch the If You Dare. It's 20 minutes long. If You Dare, that's all. It's, it's there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dear God. S- Supergran is born, and then the football match is used as a foil to display her newly found physical powers. Yep, yep, yep. In the meantime, we haven't mentioned a very important part of the uh, of the story here, and that is Edison. Oh, exactly. And I think that's probably all that needs to be said. You see, Granny's magic ray machine really does work. It really does turn ordinary people into super people. Super people. It was a magic ray that hit your Granny. Don't be stupid. There's no such thing. There is now. My grand has invented it. He's ever so brilliantly clever. I'm sure it won't you the first time you're a flipping nutcase. I don't know what language the girl's speaking. Um, yeah, yeah, she's a uh, spirited performer. Uh, I did briefly look her up on the IMDb. This is the only thing she did. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Campbell, at, at this point... And Tob. <clears throat> Come on, Tob. Uh, yeah, Campbell. At this point, he's just—he's just known as Campbell. Um, he is. He's livid. He's livid because he wanted these superpowers. Yeah. But he—he he hasn't got them. Supergrants got them. He did. Mm-hmm. Tub. 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 Um, he's looked out the window, and gone. No, an old lady's got them now. That's probably better than his accent, isn't it? Um, yeah. No, an old lady's got them now, so you can't have the superpowers. One, why doesn't he just fire up the machine and zap himself with the powers? Why want to just do that again? Yep. Is it was he like run out of fuel? Um, two, he's now hunting down Supergram. What's he going to do when he catches her? How's he going to get the powers out of her? Has he thought this far ahead? This is it. I didn't understand that either. He's not going to be able to like actually beat her in a fight until he's got the superpowers. I think <laughs> he's like a he's, massive he's, flaw in this. Well, I think his motivation was. He'd get the powers out of her, and then she'd be devoid of powers. He would zap himself with the thing once Inventor Black fixed it, and he I, would be the all-powerful. But he's going to have to kill her. So we take on a very dark... Does he think he's going to be able to get the powers out of her and put them back in the machine? 
because otherwise, mean? just zap yourself with a machine there. It's fine. It's you know, it's a wooden yeah. box which plugs into the mains. It's, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, he could just zap himself with the ray twice. It'd be twice as powerful by the the, yeah. the, the logic of this show. <sighs> so, um, Come anyway. On, mm-hmm. Come on, Tom. It's a quick walk along the seafront, and then it's actually super grand. Super grand. Super grand. Super, super grand. grand. Super grand. Can you help me, super grand? She's she's the one with her Scotch ways that gives him his full name. Campbell, you say his name is? Hm, I'm not surprised. Right wee scunners, a lot of them. Scunners? Aye, it's a Scottish word meaning someone who's the absolute pits. So she's super strong, she's super fast. She lifts up the car and the scunner Campbell and Tob are sat there like bots. While she just lifts it up and they don't do a thing. He just sits there, twisting. Yeah. Do something about it. You'd think with all of her newly acquired powers, she could Mm. teach those kids how to act. She's not fucking Gandalf. (laughs) So the elephant in the room... I've told you before, his name's Tub. (laughs) Come on, Tub. What, um, precisely what accent... Is Ian Cuthbertson supposed to be doing here? See, I always assumed Scottish, but you're the you're the expert here. There's bits of Scottish in there. There's mm-hmm. bits of American elsewhere. There's bits of sort of BBC announcer elsewhere, but they're never in the room at the same time. Has he had a concussion? As the series went on, he was more predominantly Scottish. Okay. I think they then decided to use that Scunner thing. Because I'd forgotten that she'd give him that name. And I thought, oh, he was always called the Scunner Campbell. Right. But it's not good. It's not, And he's an acclaimed actor. Oh, yeah, no, he, he absolutely is. better. She yeah. is an acclaimed actor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there yeah. she is, walking along North Shields promenade. Ooh, he's a right Scunner. That, that's a Scottish word for a bag of shit. So we get this bit where um, Tub's in the flat. Tub. Tub. He's up there, he's got the weapon. Meanwhile, Willie, Edison and Super Gran, they're down on the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's all like... But how are you going to get up there, Granny? Oh, it's easy peasy, Willie. I'll just pull vault. Why has Scunner Campbell had the stairs bricked up as well as having that window replaced since yesterday? Uh, right, yes. And you see the length of the pole she uses? Uh-huh. Yeah, she, um, she knacks a goalpost... Uh-huh. Launches herself up four floors, puts through another window. It's it's not the one that's just been repaired, it's the one next to it. Tynemouth glaziers are rubbing their fucking hands in glee here. Bruce Wayne didn't cause this much damage in The Dark Knight Returns. The baddies are nicking off in a rowing boat. Supergran throws a cannonball, which somehow manages to ignore the law of physics. <laughs> Smacks into yes. the boat. Okay, fine. Um, boat starts to sink. Next scene, they've got the machine back at Professor Black's. What happened to Campbell and the muscles? Why did Supergrand not just, like, jump out to where they were and drown them one by one? Because I think she's got away with that. Maybe that would be in the movie adaptation. <laughs> oh, what, when they take it into the MCU, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Cool. It'll happen. So at the end of all this, we've got yes. a woman who is so intensely Scottish that it borders on cultural appropriation, even uh-huh. though the performer is Scottish. Uh-huh. Um, we've got a large child whose character name is Tub, mm-hmm. and we've got a theme song which uses the term fairies as a slur. Correct. I don't think this will get made today. <laughs> no. No. I don't think it'll get watched today. We're the only two people to have watched this in the last 25 years. <laughs> How many pegs would you dare to put on the Scotch washing line for Super Grand? 
Do you know what? I'm putting three, and I know it sounds generous, but for taking a good book that clearly right. appeals... Okay. Uh, but for fucking up the adaptation via casting and direction, mm-hmm. um, this is poorly financed, poorly executed, and rushed. This could have been so much better. I do remember Super Grand, but for all the wrong reasons. Yourself, sir? Well... This is like someone's mashed up Johnny Briggs and Metal Mickey with the accents of Biker Grove while everybody's on Ket. Two out of nine. <laughs> One of them's only for the hat. Fair, fair. Would you wear that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course I would. Me, You're my kid. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, the question on everybody's lips... They're super lips. They're super lips. They're super lips around the town of Tynemouth mm. is how many super steps... As somebody who is a super people, is it going to take you to pole vault up the mountain? I can do it in one. Super. Bill Shine, the inventor Black, spends an entire episode of The Larkins trying to flog a used car to Peggy Mount. Well, who do you think put it there? I found it long before you did on the doorstep. There's no fucking about there, is there? <laughs> There's not. What about yourself, my good man? Well, Inventor Black is a fucking idiot. Um, so I can do it in one. <laughs> Ian Cuthbertson, the Scunner Campbell, starred as prosecuting counsel in Ray Bradbury's Punishment Without Crime under the deadly gavel of... Super Peggy Mount. Oh, Dolly, tell us what you said to the knife thrower. Lovely. There you go. We should there have seen go. that one coming. Yeah, I'm knackered, but not too knackered, because... Da, 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 yes, of course, it's competition time. Remember, we're running a competition this series. This is the third question in your set of 20 for this series. Jot the answer down on either the kitchen wall, the netty wall, or what would be preferred is if you download the... Official Peggy Mount Calamity Hour answer sheet from www.peggymountpod.com. Very easy. Here we go. Supergran or Granny Smith hails from Bonnie, Scotland and shows her heritage with pride every day via her outfit. And it isn't patronising or stereotyped at all. She is immersed in tartan trim. But how many colours make up the tartan that splashed all over her knickers? that we can clearly see when she jumps up a height. Remember, don't do anything with your answers until the end of the series. There you are, there's your question. Marvellous, that, isn't it? And no blackout. You might know the answer to this, but you cannot enter, remember? You cannot enter. I can't. I know. I can't. I know. It's the law. To make up for that fact, why don't you console yourself by looking at the beautiful things? Okay. bad, but I bet you can't put one of these fruit pastels in your mouth without chewing it. Sure I can. Oh, all the only thing you can really do with a rousers the best is chew. Bit of a tall order, was it? Another munchkin raid. They love to get their hands on the biggest jaffa cakes. 
They're mad on the light sponge, dark chocolate and smashing Jaffa orangey bit. But this time, they've been collared. I won't let the munchkins munch your McVitie's Jaffa cakes. Honey Monster's hunting for a sticker and swap card. Free in every special pack of sugar puffs. So he can stick the stickers and swap the animal cards. Honey Monster's got an elephant and Uggie's got a... Sugar Puffs. With a sticker and a swap card. Free in every special pack. Ah, the things. The super things. Super. Proper super things. There it is again, that fax from... Uh, the phone. I'm... Uh, I can't reach you from here. I'll just... Should we let the machine get it? Let the machine... Yeah. There we go. Hello, Ken? Ken? Ken, it's Lillian from the dry cleaners. Listen, we've tried with them underpants you left and the eggs come out, but I cannot shift the dog board. They've been through three times now and I've ruined someone's ballerina costume with one of them. If you want us to run it again, pet, I'm sorry, but it'll be another pound. You'll have to come and collect them, whatever, because the biffle want to take that away. It's still in the inside of the bin. Anyway, let us know what you want to do. 819, 819. Cheerio, pet. Well, I don't know what that's about. I'm having nothing to do with it. I'm having nothing to do with that box on that desk. Yeah, it's probably for the best. Anyway, and so to business. And a cultural kick up the arse. A screen graphic stating the disclaimer to cover language and attitudes of the time is commonplace on retro TV channels today. With Sid James, Johnny Missourier, and our very own Peggy Mount heading the cast, we should be in safe hands, shouldn't we? George and the Dragon was a sitcom written for ATV by Harry Driver and Vince Powell, which aired on ITV from 1966 to 68, over four series and 26 episodes. It stars Sir Sidney James as chauffeur and handyman George Russell, then Peggy Mount as housekeeper Gabriel Dragon, both employees in the stately home of Colonel Maynard, played by Count John Lemessurier. We've watched the very first episode, George Meets the Dragon, originally aired on Saturday the 19th of November 1966 at 8.40pm on ITV, a prime time slot entirely fitting for two figures of absolute legend. So I've never seen this. I've heard of it, but I never got round to watching it. What about you? Uh, likewise. Obviously we were both a bit young, you know, too young to have caught this first time round. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'd never watched it before either. That title sequence is a bit zany, isn't it? Isn't it? It's as close yeah. as you're going to get to animation on an ATV budget, I suppose. <laughs> it is. It is. What makes up for that <clears throat> is the theme tune. Mm-hmm. It's the type of tune that I would want played as I walk to the toilet. <laughs> I think it's marvellous. I really do. It's quite dynamic. Even that so... title is a bit mm. sitcom 101, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, it's par yeah. for the course that he's going to be called George. But having her character as Gabriel Dragon feels a bit of a stretch, like they're really determined to make the show title work. This could only yeah. have been more awkward if Peggy's character was called Dr. Aegon. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you look at a sitcom like this. Now, I'd always, uh, when I'd read about it, 
sort of seen the title, or oh, it's a sitcom starring Sid James and Peggy Mouse. I had assumed that it would be a kitchen sink sitcom. Yeah. That they were man and wife. You may both. And it would be a yep. yeah, and it'd be that kind of premise whereby she was the battle axe wife, mm-hmm. he was the the, the ne'er do well husband, blah blah blah. Uh, no, 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 no. Nothing so simple here. Um, we we set the tone of this episode with sexual assault, essentially. Two. Um, two of them. Two, <laughs> two, two sexual well, assaults. Two accusations of sexual assault. We don't well, see it being yes, carried yes. out, but yeah. Saturday night, keep uh, it light. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> God almighty. Two minutes in, and we've got Sid James, Peggy Mountain, John Le Missourier. Now, Wallop, first of all. Wallop, you think, let's do this. But I'm still at that point where I'm thinking, right... But I'm not happy about what's going on here. <laughs> you know, it's a weird thing, right? Um, given that this entire episode is a textbook farce, it is comfortingly gentle in a way that shows they're not really made like that anymore. Well, it is. And other than those two moments at the start, there are no sharp edges in this. It doesn't get away from the fact that the very premise of the show is. Let's hire someone at the workplace that is beyond the amorous remit of the company Letch. There is, but again, you've only got to look at Sid James and you're like, well, how's he doing that? I know this is this was a thing like throughout his carry-on career as well, where he would have, you know, whoever in a bikini sort of strolling past it. And you're like, how's that? Come on, how how is that working, really? He's a funny guy. He seems like he's sort of all right to be around. But should, well, we, th- should we think about this? And... In this, his character George is a bit of a wrong and you know he's not. He is. He's not carry on, said James. No, and he's not bless this house, said James. Yeah, so I'm not entirely convinced that his character would have that reputation anyway. I'm not sure that he's quite right for this role, even though I do enjoy watching him. Who would you have cast? That I don't know, because if anything, you need someone less likable for it. And then you haven't got a sitcom anymore. Similarly, well, that's right. I'm not sure that Le Measure is right for the Colonel either. He doesn't have no. that energy. No, Even I would he, have. He um, doesn't really have a lot to do in this episode. He might come into himself later, but I would have put, of course, Reginald Marsh as the Colonel. Of course, yeah, I would. Yeah, fair. But again, you're like, do you want that level of Colonel for this entire series? Um, I will say that John Carlin is absolutely mint as the taxi driver. He totally understands the assignment. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> he is a delight. He's uh-huh. yeah, sort of like very, very sort of mild innuendo. Really likable. Boom. There we go. Again, a guy that you would not find driving a taxi, but there we have it. <laughs> no, that's that's very true. Just before they get in the taxi, whoever's doing the dubbing needs to sharpen their act, don't they? Uh, they do, but. Given how old this is and given how many times it's been transferred before finding its way onto the proprietary streaming service where we found it, it might have been better at the time. That's fine. In the taxi, actually, the canned laughter, uh, that buy, it's shocking. That I don't mind that. Again, I don't mind Mm. that as a sort of a timestamp of when it was made. That's, you know, that's fine. Normally, I can't decipher between the two. Right. Um, If it's done well enough, I would have got the impression that they'd recorded the studio audience while they watched it on pre-rec video yeah. to give it context, but this certainly was not. It was absolutely canned laughter and uh, that ruined it a bit for Did me. Did they have that tech in the studios at the time? 66? Yeah. I dare say they might have done I'm sure the Beeb used it for uh, sickness and in health. Okay. Peggy's knitted hat is nothing short of incredible. Uh-huh. As, as one would expect. It's as one would expect. She hasn't gone down the, the, the crackers route. Not yet. 
it's still relatively early in her televisual career, I think. So, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In fact, she's quite smart, actually. She's mm-hmm. quite, uh, yeah. the lady about town. She is. You know? She's got a 12-inch span. <laughs> Again, it's, it's kind of a weird section where she starts talking about being a pianist, even though she's not a pianist, and you're like, was this written for another scene and you wanted to drop this in? Okay, it's fine. Um, because Noel Davis is that Clark. He's solid, but I get the impression that he can do more in a different role. He was only ever going to be on screen for two minutes here and it feels like he should be a recurring character so we can bet into that, but yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, true. What is Keith Marsh doing as Ralph the Gardener, please? So we're in <laughs> we're in the Colonel's stately home. He's got like you know sort of a, a very small coterie of house staff, one of whom is Ralph, uh, the alcoholic gardener who keeps uh-huh. sort of sneaking in to drink the uh, the Colonel's brandy. He's sort of dressed like a hobo, but he acts weirdly camp, mm-hmm. and yet he keeps calling Sir James's character a pansy. I don't understand this. I don't understand what's going on in a a really weird sort of northern accent as well when that state of dress, you'd be like, well, Cornwall Devon accent, surely. Okay, fine, whatever. You know, yeah, let's not stereotype. Go on. He didn't fit. Do you see what I mean? This this feels like a pilot episode where they went, you can have it if you change X, Y, and Z. Now, Uh what are we going to do about the first episode? No, this is the first episode. Thanks very much. (laughs) I expect to come back for the second one and half the cast have been changed. Uh, Right, yeah. How are your dumplings? Got the biggest reaction from the audience in mm-hmm. the entire show. Yeah, that, if that's not an absolute underlining of the time, I don't know what is. It's an ITV sitcom. What do you want? Well, <laughs> it's an ITV sitcom in the in a starring a member of the Carry On team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, you're gonna have it. We're gonna get letters for this, but I don't think in 1966 that the television sitcom in the United Kingdom had properly come into its own yet. It's because I'm a kid of the 70s slash 80s. I think mm-hmm. it wasn't until the 70s where they really nailed this down. Mm-hmm. I know there were sitcoms before this. Being of the same generation as yourself, I would agree with you. However, let's put it to the listener. If you argue this point, let us know via the Twitters. It turns out it settles into this kind of will they, won't they between Peggy Mount and Sid James. Mm-hmm. For, yeah. all, for all the reason that she's been hired, so that he won't chase her. They end the episode, both genuinely stating that, yeah, they do quite, talk, get on quite well. Um, She assumes that he's chasing her because mm-hmm. she's attractive. He's trying that on to try and scare her off. This mm-hmm. is basically moonlighting, isn't it? I think that's charming. Some fly by night. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Good Lord. So at the end of the day, when the bows are taken and the curtain swishes across the stage, how many pegs would you clip onto the side of the curtain? I'm blinded by the dull premise of the sitcom. I really can't connect with this. Right. I've got little interest in the protagonists. Lech versus Battleaxe each week. That's Uh repetitive. In fact, I think I'd probably rather watch Nancy Lamb fry fat in a pan. Two two pegs. Two pegs. I'm sorry, can you say that again? Because it sounded to me like you said two. All right, okay. Yeah, I'll give me an honest answer. Nine pegs, because Peggy's in it. <laughs> Kabanga! Ken, it's, I've told you, it's the gin it makes in Maudlin. Can you stop it? Yourself? Despite me doing nothing but complaining about this for the last however long, I think this has the perfect air of stage farce. 
perfectly ported over for the television format, and it's almost perfectly cast. It's just a bit clunky at this early stage. Eight pegs for me. Ken, Blackout's wrong again. <laughs> and we're only in episode two here. But the important, the, the, the critical question is, how long will I get through this intro before you realise that we don't need to take any steps up the mountain because we're already there? Uh, I would say about three seconds. We're already there. We're already there. Ah, thank you, Dame Peggy. Oh, exhausted, exhausted after all of that, but no time to rest because, of course, here is the second of your competition questions for this week's episode. Remember, at this stage, just write them down on your Peggy Mountpod answer sheet, available on PeggyMountPod.com. Submit all your answers at the end of the series. Bear in mind, it's a PDF. You can't type in there. You're going to have to download it, print it out, take a photo, upload that to Twitter. Yep. All of that. Don't worry about other people copying your answers. They'll only be you doing it. It's fine. Here is your question. When Peggy Mount enters the taxi in that famous scene that we discussed with Sid James, what colour are her tights? And there we are. That's your question. And once again, blackout. No, you cannot enter. I actually right. don't know the answer to this one. I averted my eyes like a gentleman would. See, the age of chivalry is not dead. There we are. Right, while I assemble my crayon set and ready myself to use the Wincy Willis colouring book, Blackout's got your socials. Yes, thank you once again for being with us. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email PeggyMountPod at gmail.com or we are PeggyMountPod on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Five-star ratings are always welcome on Spotify, the iTunes or wherever you like to listen to us. Don't forget to go to PeggyMountPod.com, check out the show notes for this and all of our other episodes and to download that ruddy answer sheet. It's as simple as that. It really is. Right. After this, I'm straight off to burn my box set of Supergran DVDs. We'll be back next week with more of the same. Until then, keep pegging. The Peggy Man Calamity Hour is a free podcast from Michael Media, which holds production copyright. Opinions and recollections expressed are not to be taken as fact. The title and credit music is by Dr. Velvet. Audio segments and television programs are presented for review and informational purposes only under fair use, and no ownership of these is claimed or implied by this show. For more information, visit PeggyMountPod.com. Super. Super. Tub. Right, hang on, I'm going to move my pop shield down. Come on, Tub. 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 Come on, Tub.